Welcome to part two of our Jonas Brothers series. This is Anna, and I'm still with my two cousins, Jackie and Jossie, and we are discussing the music of the Jonas Brothers, from It's About Time to Lines, Vines, and Trying Times. Stay tuned for the next episode when we continue the conversation with Happiness Begins and the album. The Jonas Brothers have five albums in total, not including the Jonas in L.A. album, which we're not going to no, get into. No, can we not, please? <laughs> we're not. They do have some good songs on that album. But, I wouldn't know. Yeah. And they worked with some really great songwriters and producers, but yeah, I'm glad that we're all on the same page and we do not consider that an official Jonas oh, Brothers album. I just album feel and... embarrassed, like second Okay, I think I have different feelings. I don't well, know. Well, because you really watched the show. I was like... I get picked on enough. I can't watch the show and it's really not that good. I just, I couldn't get into it. The, yeah. like, no offense to the dad, but the dad was weird. The coolest thing about the show was their house. Their fire they were in fight. the firehouse. Yeah. That was really neat. I just thought we weren't going to talk about it. We're not talking about it, but she's talking about it. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. So her first album is It's About Time, released yeah, in 2006. And then in 2007, it was the self-titled Jonas Brothers album. And then 2008, a little bit longer. And then in 2009, Lines, Vines, and Trying Times. So that is four albums in four years, if you guys want yeah, to Yeah, I also track. thought Lines, Vines, and Trying Times was a little bit of a force. And that's when I kind of start, started losing them. And I would disagree in my opinion, but okay. we have yeah, we're opinions. age well, gap, yeah. different people. <laughs> and then album five, their most recent album, Happiness Begins. But And then in between that, of course, was the kind of awkward time when they were supposed to release V and it ended up getting canceled. So out of all those albums, which one is your favorite? This is tough. So it's tough. like trying to pick a favorite child. Not that I have children, but <laughs> they each have their own. Like, yeah. There's something about each, but if I like off the rip, I say first and last because the first yeah. was like really, I think underrated and that was like their original them and then happiness begins just hearing the evolution of their lyrics and the musicality is just incredible and i think at that time too what i was going through i just really resonated with and it was just so like if that album had not come out at that time i just don't know where i'd be right now to be completely honest but um yeah i'd say first and last jossie I don't want to give the same answer. I do have a very special spot in my heart for It's About Time, but I would say maybe the just Jonas Brothers, I'd say second and last. Because okay. Happiness Begins, Tom and I started officially dating in 2020, so I feel like there's a lot of Tom's songs. Tom's her fiance, just yeah. to back that. Um, yeah, <laughs> so anyways, I feel like there's a lot of songs that it like make me think of that. Our first day ever, he puts on What a Man Gotta Do, makes me a steak dinner and sets real life fireworks off in the back. Like that was our first date. Like, hello, is he the fourth or fifth Jonas? <laughs> yeah, like he... Is he the real bonus Jonas? Yeah, right. Sorry, Franks. <laughs> yeah, so any he like anytime we're in the kitchen, like giving him a dinner or anything, he, Alexa, put on What a Man Gotta Do. And then we all sing the Jonas Brothers together. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah, he's you. like, said, I think he's going to be like dad in like, if Emma has anything that she loves, he's going to be going to back he's it. He's going to back it 110% and like go hard. Let's talk about It's About Time specifically. So it has three covers, two of which are by Busted. One was originally by LFO. Did you guys know that? No, I did not. Yeah. Busted, for those who don't know, they were an English pop punk band. The album cover, It's About Time, is identical to Busted's cover. Really? Of I've album. seen that. Yep. Have you seen I've that? I've seen that on like a TikTok conspiracy. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's identical because they're in black and white up against a red backdrop. It is interesting that they covered so many songs considering they are songwriters. This mm -hmm. is the only album where they actually covered songs. 75% of this album is original music written by them, either Joe you or You can Nick tell. I mean, you can tell in the lyrics, yeah. which isn't a bad thing. Like I said, I think this goes back to my theory of the record company being like, you guys are going to be a pop punk band. Here's a couple of pop punk songs. Make songs that sound like these two songs. Yeah, And they were actually, I, I believe they were making songs before that like they were yeah. songwriting before but yeah definitely. but this album is pop punk 
through the entire album. Yeah. The pop punk sound gets less and less at each album right. that comes after. Mm-hmm. Are there any favorite songs on this album that really resonate with the both of you? I have to start because I love this album too because their voices were so like yeah. adolescent. They were so young. Yeah. So high. I love them all, of course. It's, yeah. again, very hard to pick. But, I mean, Time for Me to Fly is great, too. I remember no, hearing yeah. that in the end of the credits for certain movies. But especially in What I Am, because I feel like that's one of Joe's original first real moments of him being lead singer. And, I don't know, I kind of, like, resonate with the song. It's I Am What I Am, you know? It's it's a fun, upbeat song. I Am What I Am, written by Adam Schlesinger. I totally stumble on his last name. I am so sorry, Adam. <laughs> Do you know who Adam Schlesinger is? It sounds familiar. So he is the guy from Fountains of Wayne. Okay. You may remember Fountains of Wayne for their iconic single, Stacy's Mom. And he is a really famous songwriter. He actually, unfortunately, passed away from COVID-19 back in the early days of COVID. Uh, yeah. He was really young. He was in his 40s. Ugh. He's collaborated a lot with comedians such as Stephen Colbert and Sarah Silverman. He wrote a lot of the songs for That Thing You Do, that that movie that Tom Hanks did about the Beatles kind of boy band too. Okay. But he is really well known for adding a bit of humor in his songs. And I Am What I Am kind of has kind of like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing to it. Adam was also in the band Tinted Windows with none other than Taylor Hansen. Yes, the Taylor Hansen from the band Hansen. The first of several connections to Hansen for the Jonas Brothers. Back to the busted covers. So it's what I go to school for in the year 3000. They were written by James Bourne, who was a member of Busted. I have so many thoughts about the year 3000. (laughs) So first of all, I didn't realize that this was a common cover for pop punk bands to do at the time. And I think that's why it was given to the Jonas Brothers. Like this is a song that's a go-to song for a lot of pop punk bands that are starting out doing covers. Mm-hmm. Cause it was definitely well known, especially in England, because it's funny because there were a couple of articles about Sophie Turner. Yeah, she like shits on oh, Joe because she's right. like, that's yeah. not even an original yeah. song. Yeah. Like she said tease Joe. Yeah. She probably still does. It sounds like she was a huge fan of Busted and that's she loved so the funny. song. And she was like, You guys just made it big all over the world, but you guys weren't the original. That's why she didn't like the Jonas brother. Yeah. <laughs> and I cut I kind of have to respect her for that. <laughs> so funny. Oh my gosh, she's the best. Yeah, but so I cool. but I love that they performed together in 2019. Did you guys see that? See what? Who performed together? Busted and the Jonas Brothers no. performed no. together. No. I don't see that. Yeah, and they they sung this song together. Oh. Yeah. Got to look that one up. I'm assuming you guys have heard the original Busted version. I don't think so. Really? No. I didn't yeah, even no. know. You didn't know that this was a cover? Maybe we aren't die I, I knew that they had cover songs. I didn't know yeah. which cover specifically. Really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. You have to listen to the original. It's very interesting to kind of compare. But in terms of the lyrics, can we just talk about how, one, they <laughs> they don't say anything about the year 3000. Like, I would like to know <laughs> what it was actually like. And then they say, we live underwater, but not much has changed. And I'm like, that sounds like a lot, a lot has yeah. changed. <laughs> we are yeah, human- casually. Like, we're just underwater now. <laughs> we are humans that live a life like SpongeBob. We've completely eroded the earth. <laughs> But they changed the lyrics around from the original Busted song. They changed it from Michael Jackson to Kelly Clarkson to make it more relevant. And they made it a little bit more family friendly and a couple of references. Mm -hmm. We also talked about how this music video was really prominent on the Disney Channel. Played after, before, every five minutes. Yeah. During commercial break. And we also need to talk about the lyrics of boy bands and another one and another one and another one. (laughs) Because it was pretty evident in this album that they were trying to be like, we're not boy band. We're cooler yeah. than that. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's just but and I love that it's come full circle. Says the three boys in a band <laughs> that are performing on the Disney Channel to young teenagers. Yes. It's just funny that it's become full circle and now they're like, yeah, we're a boy band. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to embrace it and rock it. Yeah. Here's a description of the song, right? It's a profound message about the lack of human imagination by imagining the year 3000 and being thoroughly unable to describe any of the wonders there. (sighs) The brothers are noting the inability of art provided what John Lear calls a radical hope of the future that is entirely beyond modern cultural constructs. (sighs) Okay. What drugs were they on when they wrote that description? (laughs) Okay. Can can I get some? Yeah. They were tripping balls. Just kidding. 
time, time for, for me, me to fly. fly. I'm yeah, looking at it yeah. now. Yeah. We completely missed time for me to Great fly. Great one. The Jonas Brothers wrote that one with PJ Bianco for on the track list one day at a time with Michael Mangini and Steve Greenberg, who produced Baja Men's, who let the dogs out. Hell yeah. Definitely not the same sounding song. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and then Steve Greenberg also discovered Hanson. The Hanson connection here is yeah. kind of yeah. funny. So he's the guy that discovered Hanson 10 years earlier and is credited as an executive producer on Oombop. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool. And um, Steve Mangini also produced O-Town's first full-length album, wow. which is interesting. Forgot about the O-Town. boy band connections, they're all connected. They, could, they couldn't not be a boy band, even if they tried. Yeah. So the next track is Six Minutes. Good one. And this is an LFO cover. Really? Did I didn't know that. <laughs> How crazy. Yeah. Isn't it? It makes so much sense because it kind of has like the white island boy ska kind of vibe to it. <laughs> it reminds me of the Jersey Shore. That song definitely reminds me of the Jersey Shore. Yes. I don't know why. It was t- kind of taking from the sounds of that time. But what was interesting is Six Minutes was written like years before that. The song, how they reworked it sounds completely different. Interesting. It is interesting that they covered an LFO song. Like, you would not have expected that at all. Because they're like, we don't want to be a boy band. But it also goes to show Rich Cronin and his ability to write songs. I think he's a super underrated lyricist, too. And rest in peace, Rich Cronin, for sure. He's a local Boston native. Oh, cool. Yeah. All the greats come from our city. Exactly. There's always a Boston connection in there somewhere. The next is Mandy, and this was actually their first single released in December 2005. And this was actually shown on MTV's TRL and reached number four. In the documentary, it also says they reached number one as well. So I don't know which one's right. Yeah, what chart? But it charted on TRL. That's really all that matters. (laughs) I wanted to be Mandy so bad. I think I had her on (laughs) MySpace. I think she added me on MySpace, or I added her. This is another song when they mention and they make a reference to boy bands too again being like we're not a boy band (laughs) (laughs) number seven you just don't know it it's different it's a little slower yeah it's kind of like one day at a time but i do get that pop punk vibe because it's whiny yeah kind of more emo yeah 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 i can't sing (laughs) so all three guys have writing credits for this song as well as desmond child and do you know who desmond child is do you know I don't. the first writing credit that Desmond Child has? Uh, no. What? I Was Made for Loving You by Kiss. What? <laughs> I bet Dad didn't know he that. Would, yeah. <laughs> or he Wait. did and he just never told us. I don't know if it's for his first writing credit, but I think it was like the one Definitely. of the first songs oh that cool. Desmond wrote yeah. that was really big. Yeah. Desmond Child wrote several other songs for the band Kiss, including Heavens on Fire, Under the Gun, I've Had Enough, Into the Fire, Bang Bang You, My Way, and Reason to Live. He's also written songs for many other artists, including Aerosmith, Cher, Katy Perry, and Kelly Clarkson. But Desmond Child has written for literally everybody. Bon Jovi, Joan Jett, Mm -hmm. Ricky Martin. (laughs) He wrote Live in La Vida Loca. Wow. <laughs> Cisco's the thong song. Oh my God. And he also wrote for Hanson too, of course. Cause yeah. the, the Hanson connection again. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote Hanson's weird, but this sounds like a Hanson song. When I first heard this, I was like, this is a Hanson. Yeah. Song. So I wouldn't be surprised if he originally wrote this for Hanson or a band that he had in mind that was like Hanson. Yeah. He's like the Jonas brothers would be perfect on this song. True. So just really interesting. As soon as I saw Desmond child, I was like, Yes. This is the kiss connection. Really cool. Okay, so the next song is Underdog. All three guys have writing credits on this song with Jess Cates and Stargate. Jess Cates and Stargate are both part of a producing and songwriting team. Jess Cates has written for songs for the Backstreet Boys and as well as JC Shazay. Again, the boy band connections, they're all connected. 705 is also on here, another pop punk song. And then the last is Please Be Mine, also written by the brothers. And this was the first song that they ever recorded. Oh, that's a good one. I know. I love in the documentary when they sing that one all together in a circle. It's like. And I love how towards the end of the documentary, when they come back together, they sing it again. Mm-hmm. And as kind of like this was the first song that we ever did. And it just all comes full yeah. circle. <laughs> Album number two. Self-titled Jonas Brothers. This was released on August 7th, 2007. Not to be confused with the Jonas Brothers. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So the distinction between Jonas Brothers and the Jonas Brothers. I know that they're technically 
Jonas Brothers, mm-hmm. but my mind in grammar just always says the Jonas Brothers. Right. Just, like all my life. And I didn't even know that back then, but I feel like recently, I don't know if I saw something or whatever, but it's Jonas Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> so I think in terms of promotion and name, like if there's a billboard sign, it's going to say Jonas Brothers. But if you're saying their band name in a sentence, you're going to say the Jonas Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going is, to see Jonas Brothers, what... like, or I'm going to see the Jonas Brothers. Right. Words are right. difficult and way over my head. So. Yeah. Well, when it's plural, so Hanson, you don't say the Hanson, you say Hanson. Yeah. Or you would say the band Hanson. <laughs> yes. Yes. That too. Or Hanson Brothers. Anyway, so grammar lesson over, <laughs> but I just wanted to touch upon that no, because I, I think it's important because they touch on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important too. So back to Jonas Brothers, the self-titled album. So this is their first album released on Hollywood Records. So their first album was released on Columbia Records. Columbia dropped them and then they got picked up by Disney. So Hollywood Records, Disney owned record company, and this entire album was produced by John Fields. And it seems like they had a really good relationship with him, even though he was like part of the Disney machine, quote unquote. It seemed like John really helps them create the sound that was more of an iconic Jonas Brothers sound. And it also seemed like he allowed them to write all the songs and have some sort of creative control, even though they were under this Disney machine. It is kind of pop punk and power pop rock throughout the album. It kind of is like a mix of those different sounds with the exception of when you look me in the eyes. Like that is a straight up country song. That, yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah. That was supposed to be mine in uh, my high school boyfriend's wedding song. Oh. He, <laughs> oh. Anyways, <laughs> side note. So this album, like I said, one or all of the Jonas Brothers wrote all of the songs on this album, except the year 3000 re-release that is on some of the versions of this album. So on Spotify, it's not on there, but from what I was looking on, like not just Wikipedia, but like other sources, there were versions of this album that had year 3000 on it. The deluxe, I remember they put out a deluxe version of this album. Because they re-released the single under Hollywood Records. And that's where most people heard the single. Yeah, Apple is just, not showing it but i do remember the deluxe version coming out and that that being on there yeah or like a live version or something like we said this album is where the jonas brothers relationship with disney was solidified and two of the songs on the album were used in disney channel productions hold on <laughs> mm, that was a cute one so the kids single of the future is the other sorry go yes ahead. no that's okay <laughs> yeah technically kids of the future was Meet the kind Robin. of a single kind I think of a, a cross a between re- a single and a cover yeah <laughs> yeah kind of a cover is right i definitely have a favorite song on this one and because i can relate to it so hard but just friends again tom and i oh, like yeah. crushed on tom since i was like 16 years old and we finally <laughs> got together in 2020 so like but like i was singing it to him last night picket fence in a rose garden we have the big <laughs> fence around our yard now we have a rose garden big yard. like i just i was singing it to him last night he's like are you serenading me right now <laughs> This is a good album. It's hard. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm like, I don't think I, I could just, pick a favorite because I, I can not. remember. Like, I just love all. I can remember music. seeing it live too, and like certain parts of the show, they did certain things where I'm like, oh, I love this song because of like Australia. Good night and goodbye is when they did the flip. Uh, Hello, beautiful. When they go up and they're like, hello, and they're like, we're live in Boston, and I'm like, oh my god, yes, we are. <laughs> So let's get into the songs on the album. So the first is SOS, written by Nick. And this is definitely like a more pop punk song. This is the most successful single on the album. It was the band's first single to reach the top 20 on the Billboard chart. And it was their debut international single in Europe in May 2008. So from like a global audience perspective, this was the moment that the rest of the world caught on to the Jonas Brothers. And Joe fell in got cut by the glass in the AMAs. He tripped over. They, like, walked through glass. That was a monumental moment. In their first performance in the AMAs, they they walked through, like, like shattered glass, and he tripped, and he actually, like, scuffed up his knees and his hands. He got a little bloody, but iconic moment for Joe. So this was also the only song on the album where Nick is the only credited writer. Interesting. Yeah. You see this a little bit more in future albums, but this was 100% Nick's thing yeah. with, with, of course, produced by John Fields. Cool. Yeah. Did you guys see the interview with Nick and Elvis Costello? 
This article was published in the October 2008 issue of Rolling Stone, titled The Schooling of Nick Jonas, described as, quote, the teen idol gets a masterclass from his own idol, Elvis Costello. He said that SOS was one of those songs that came to him in the middle of the night, and he wrote this song in only 10 minutes. And in a TikTok posted on the 15th anniversary of the song, Nick further revealed that he wrote the song alone in a hotel room at 13 years old. He also said the original title was A Call I'll Never Get. But when making the track list for the album, everyone kept calling it SOS. So they ended up going with that title instead. Yeah, I do. I recall that information. I really want to emphasize this point. Nick Jonas was the most talented child. 13 years old writing a song like this. He's the only credited writer. It's possible that there could be other ghostwriters on this or whatever, but I don't know. I think it's Nick and John Fields. Yeah. Well, I love in the, in the Happiness Begins documentary too, him and his father sitting at the piano, that footage of them yeah. writing their first Christmas song or writing their album. What was he, six? Or, or like the- Five or six. Yeah. The uh, story that he tells, the dad tells when uh, oh, yeah. Nick Jonas, he's like this little kid, he walks out and he's saying, ah, la la la, and he doesn't hit the right note and he goes- Rewinds back. himself. He rewinds, he walks goes back, comes out. like a little robot. And he's like, we went in and took out all the nursery rhymes and we swapped Replaced them out. Replaced with Wonders. Yeah. yeah, greatest hit. Love it. It's insane how talented he was. He, yeah. he just knew. Like, yeah, he just knew. Yeah. So the next song is Hold On, written by all three guys. And this is kind of a more pop punk, pop rock song. This was featured on two Disney Channel original movies, Johnny Capala back on board, the sequel to Johnny Tsunami, <laughs> as well as Freestyle. That's awesome. I didn't I felt like I knew that, but I did not know that. I had forgotten. <laughs> Okay, the next song is Good Night and Goodbye, written by all three brothers. Pop punk, ska-ish kind of song. It kind of sounds similar to like Panic at the Disco. I just want to play them looking at them. So that's just the way we roll. Yeah. Silly, love it. Dad would sing. That's the one that he always would mix up. He, I, he liked that one. Because yeah. okay. well, it talks about the family. Well, it's no, like, also, Dad's on the roof. I, well, wait, has Oh, no, there's a whale in the pool with my mother. He would go, with my mother. No, that's my mother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can cut that. No. <laughs> He's not going to hear it. I'm, I'm keeping that in. He's listening right now, Jossie. What do you mean? It's true. Always with Sorry, us. Dad. And he kind of joked when they did the South Park, like the main thing about the South Park oh, episode yeah. when they'd be like, baby, out of nowhere, we'd be getting ready in the morning. He'd be like, baby, like, okay, dad, stop. <laughs> Back to that's the way we roll. There's a Hanson reference in there. Yeah. The dance battle. Yeah. The dance battle the against battle Hanson. dance against Hanson. Yeah. <laughs> if we lose, all the girls. Okay, stop. <laughs> but yeah, it's We're so laughing. funny because both of those boy bands were not dancing boy bands so i think that's why the funny yeah Yeah. it's funny hella beautiful acoustic guitar ballad written by all three guys still in love with you pop punkish kind of song i actually think this is my favorite song on the album yeah it's a good one for sure yeah also written by all of them oh yeah the next is australia also written by all the brothers another kind of pop punkish kind of song I can't even imagine them performing in Australia and doing this song. That would be so cool. Oh, it would be insane. I'd probably cry. <laughs> and so was was Joe living in Australia? He, like, they have a house in Australia, I believe. Okay, so the last song on the album is Games. And all three brothers wrote this with their bandmates, which I thought was so yeah, nice. Yeah, their bandmates band are basically so like awesome. extra brothers. They, yeah. they, they're they all so cool too. Yeah, like, yeah, John Taylor, Greg Garbowski, yeah, like, and Alex Noyes. And Jack, he's the drummer. Mm. Uh, Jack does not have a writing credit on this song. Oh, well, but, yeah, maybe because he just plays yeah. the drums. Also, <laughs> Take a Breath must have been on the bonus That's one. The and bonus I one. actually am not even kidding. So, obviously, like, Dad died the day before my birthday. This song comes on every year, like, either on Dad's day or on my birthday. And it's not an original album song, which no, is... It no, it comes not. on randomly, and it literally, it's like, whoa. And I literally will just sit there and be like, all right, Take a Breath, Jossie. Like, this take is obviously a message from breath. Dad telling me to calm Great one the to heck see live, down. too. Great one to see live. Yeah. That's a very good one. I remember crying to that song when I was an adolescent. Yeah. I literally feel like dad's playing the song. That happens a lot. I get really emotional in my car and I'll kick the radio on and it's like one of his songs or I'll play my song. I just like in my brain pictured you kicking the radio in your car to turn it on (laughs) because your car is just, I could see A derby, demo derby, it's fine. 
Yeah, Take a Breath, all three brothers wrote that with Just Cates, too. That's a great song. Yeah, it is. Hollywood was also on the deluxe version, too, yep. I think. Yep. I, I just pulled that up. Hollywood, I love that song. Yeah. Because it's like a, a piano-heavy kind of pop-punk song. It mm-hmm. sounds just like Something Corporate, and Something Corporate was like my band yeah. when I was in high school. <laughs> I loved Something Corporate. When you look me in the eyes. <laughs> I remember seeing Jackie, and maybe I did too, um, tear up at this song. <laughs> it, I Honestly. cry a lot. I'm emotional, okay? It, it's a very emotional <laughs> song. I even cry at the song. It's just a great song. So all three brothers wrote this with their dad and mm-hmm. PJ Bianco and Raymond Boyd. And PJ Bianco also worked with artists like Metro Station, Fifth Harmony, Demi okay. Lovato, and also worked on some songs for Nick's solo career too. Yeah. I was wondering why this song sounds so different than the rest of the songs on this album. And here's why. There's two versions. The original version of this song was written for Nick's solo Christian album. That sounds familiar. Yeah. So it's pre-Jonas Brothers. Nick was going by Nicholas Jonas. Mm -hmm. And that's why their dad has a writing credit on the song. Because I think they wrote the original together. And then they brought in the other guys after. And then Kevin plays guitar in the original version too i believe cool do you guys want to hear it yeah. yes in, please with nick's baby voice yes mm. i think we've heard it before but i'm definitely happy to hear it again yes so talented so talented <laughs> yeah i definitely heard that i cutie little nick nicholas so cute <laughs> next song on the album is inseparable Again, I, I sound repetitive, but it was written by all three brothers. Uh, this song kind of reminds no. me of a Paramore song. A little bit, yeah. yeah I, I can see. You know, I like the it. guitars at the beginning. Oh my god, yeah! I never really compared the two. Like, listen to it thinking about Paramore, but one hundred percent. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. So the next song, "Just Friends," which we kind of talked about already. Yeah. <laughs> to this day, I'm like. Mm. There she goes again. (laughs) Is this going to be your wedding song, Just Friends? Because I have another one in mind for you. I have so many Jonas Brothers songs I want at our wedding. And and I will make sure the Jonas Brothers play at (laughs) at, whether it's recorded or live. Or if we just start singing when the wedding's over year 3000. (laughs) I'd say overall breakout album. Like the first one was great. Yeah. As as true fans, we're like, of course, so good. Yeah. But that second one was really like they're almost coming of age, I'd say. Yeah. You could still tell that they were trying to experiment with their sound a little bit, yes. but they just seemed a little bit more refined. Yeah. And it's definitely a much better album than the first one, I would say. From like an oh, ob- objective like music perspective. Sure. I would say this next album is their best. Until Happiness Begins, of course, which we'll get into in the next episode. A little bit longer was like peak Jonas Brothers moment. Yeah. They think that it was just kind of snowballing for the second album. And then the third album, everything was set into place. Yeah. I almost feel like this is the album that they went to go get it at the record. And like they couldn't get there. They're like, you're going to need a bigger security detail. Whoa. That was their like, we're really those guys. Yeah. So that was released in August 2008. They're currently on tour, I believe, at this moment too, which is crazy to think about being on tour and also having to release an album and then maybe recording songs for the next album. Like crazy. Constant. Nonstop. They know that they only really have this typically five year time time frame of when they can be really big so they try to turn out these albums like crazy totally yeah they're nonstop. one direction was exactly the same they put out five albums in five years nuts i was working at gillette at the time when one direction came and that concert was pretty good i was i'm not a huge one direction fan but it was fun to be there and they they put on a show were you guys a little bit too old for One Direction? I feel like I just invested so much time and energy into the Jonas Brothers, mm-hmm. but also like Lady Gaga. Like I've yeah. been to a million Lady Gaga concerts. I've been to a handful of Beyonce. I never really got into them. I had a lot of friends that did. I liked some of their songs, but I didn't like stand them the way I was like I was with the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, yeah. You made your your stand commitment, and you weren't diverting from yeah. that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Back to a little bit longer. Nick wrote three of the 12 songs on this album without the other two brothers and the rest of them all three were on. And then they incorporated a couple other songwriters into some other songs. John Fields, the producer, produced this entire album again. And this is a bit more of a pop record than a pop punk record, I would say. 
getting to the songs on the album, the guys wrote all the songs on, on this album. They would sit in a circle and write songs. That's how they would Jeez. do it. Or like a triangle, I guess. So the first song is Be Be Good. Of all the songs that I heard, the Jonas Brothers, I was like, your dad probably loved this mm-hmm. song. Because it is like 80s hair metal-ish. Yeah. Very I rem- have to say, he was a 70s guy. He preferred the 70s to the 80s. Okay. Fine. Anyways. Fair enough. <laughs> no, because I used to like the 80s. Like, I, him and I would have, like, fights. He'd be like, it's the 70s. I'm like, it's the 80s, Dad. And then... But he also... I, he was well-versed musically. He was a DJ at one point in his <laughs> life. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe because your parents were, like, the epitome of, like, 80s kids. Yeah. <laughs> the There's 80s. a lot of music No, he, he definitely liked, did like the 80s. He just preferred the 70s, I feel. Okay. Yeah, he I, used to make CDs. That was his thing. He'd just make CDs. But, like, your dad liked all those hair bands. Yeah. Yeah, so that's definitely. why. I, that's why I'm thinking he probably liked the song. Be, be good to me. Yeah, I remember us yeah. rocking to that yeah. one with him I, in the uh, car. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next song is Burning Up. Kevin Jonas Sr. has a producing credit along with John Fields on the song, which I thought was interesting. That's cool. This was the group's first top five single in the U.S. and formerly their highest charting song until Sucker was released. And Big Rob's part in the song. Class. <laughs> Obviously, he's not their bodyguard anymore. But did you guys know that Big Rob was also on Britney's team? Yep. Yeah, I was just about to say that, but I didn't want to First, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So what's interesting is the Jonas Brothers' team was a collaboration of folks from NSYNC's team and Britney Spears' team. It's so Felicia Collada, that, yeah, yeah. her assistant, When you, if you see a picture of her, you'll know who it is. She was also the assistant for the Jonas Brothers. Wow. And Johnny Wright. Oh, he talks about her when Kevin's talking to Danielle yes, on the phone. On he's the like, phone. yeah, she does all that stuff for us. Yeah. She's <laughs> just like, call her. That's one of my favorite parts. There's a cameo by Johnny Wright in the documentary. Do you guys remember Johnny Wright? Sounds familiar. If you, if you see a photo of him, you'd know he was NSYNC's former manager. Okay. He's actually from Cape Cod, which is kind of funny. All the greats, man. All the greats <laughs> come from Mass. I don't know. Interesting that the Jonas Brothers kind of took from those two teams, though. Yeah, yeah. that is interesting. It is interesting. It's so funny to see Big Rob still comment on Britney Spears' stuff, too, on Instagram. He definitely <laughs> he does. does. Never I'm so weird. Like, sometimes, like, relevant comments pop up. I don't know yeah. why. It's the algorithm. Yeah, yes. the algorithm. Because you follow him, so. Yeah. Probably. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> So the next is Shelf. I love this song. Again, kind of like 70s, 80s rock inspired. Again, I feel like your dad would have really liked this song. Mm -hmm. The next song is One Man Show. And then we're at Love Bug. Favorite on the album. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely love. Classic. Classic. So Love Bug, 100% my favorite Jonas Brothers song. That was one of the ones I wrote down, but I just couldn't decide on that question. I know, because I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, got me going crazy is good, a little bit longer. The one thing I want to say about Love Bug is like their little intro conversations and extra conversations. Is that extra? Is that the right? I don't know. (laughs) But like those little things, I feel like we were going to get an explanation at some point and we never got an explanation. And I'm always wondering like They were on the bus. They wrote when they were on tour. No, but like, you know, like I dropped my pen. So remember that yeah, little like, conversation? Like, I thought it was like a writing session. I always That's thought the that idea they, I got. Yeah, I got that. But I th- always thought that there was like some meaning kind of meaning behind, behind it. I, maybe I was thinking too much. She's conspiring. It. No, not conspiring, <laughs> but thinking that there's more to it. But maybe there wasn't. And I always just thought more of that. I have one critique of Love Bug. I love this song. It's my favorite Jonas Brothers song. The lyrics to the song are... Called you for the first time yesterday. I finally found the, the missing, missing part of me. Yeah. And he pronounces me as me and not may. Even though yesterday and may rhyme, they did M-E. not. Yeah, but they didn't do the Max Martin thing where they pronounced me as may. Even though. It sounds so nice, though. It does works. It? It I works. don't think it works. Called you for the first time yesterday. Finally found the missing part of may. He no, he doesn't have to say it like May. I mean, obviously he doesn't. But I'm saying I think it still works. Like I think it's still found, yesterday found part of part me. Of it's the same me. amount of syllables. It is, but it bothers you. It bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can, I know what you're saying. It would bother me if it was a different amount of syllables, but I, I think it like, works. I feel like some of the lyrics, a couple songs throughout all albums are just kind of like. There is things they could have done different, but it's like, whatever. They just chose that way, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Love bug. Love it. 
Okay. Tonight's a fun one too. I really like tonight. Yeah, I'd say that's. I do yeah. too. It kind of reminds me of a uh, Yellow Card mm-hmm. with the because that. they incorporate the violins. It's like a pop punk song with violins. Like that's what Yellow Card was kind of known for at the time. Yeah. I only know Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card. It's like the <laughs> only song I know. I think that's the only song most people know, but <laughs> it has a violin in it. That's yeah. like what made it unique. They wrote this song with Greg Garbowski. Garbo. I yeah. have to say, I think maybe tonight has to be my favorite because I feel like I always fight with my boyfriends and <laughs> I just should have just always said, we're not going to work it out tonight. Or I feel like I constantly say that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like the slow version of tonight. Nick Jonas and oh, the administration. Yeah, okay. So the next is can't have you. But I like this one. Nick wrote this with PJ. I feel like my little dramatic teenage self always going through breakups was like, don't want to find Yes, that's another <laughs> Singing yeah. along to that one. The next is Video Girl. I have to say, lyrically, this is probably my least favorite song. That's Allison Stoner in the open. Did you know that? Oh, oh I, I thought it was that. Selena Gomez. Oh, I think I'm like Taylor 99% Swift, sure it's Allison Stoner. Because huh, they were buddies around this yeah, time with Camp Rock. It was Camp Rock. Yeah, it was Camp Rock era. So. The next is Pushing Me Away. The song is just like so freaking catchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pushing me away. Yeah. That's a good one to belt out at the shows. Yeah. Yeah. They're all great. I mean, I mean yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. And I don't think we emphasize this enough, but all their songs, when they perform them live, like they're just great live songs. You know what I mean? There's like certain points Definitely, where, totally. you, you know, the audience is just like, yeah, red dress. Yes. And they're like, you know People what? We know that. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. This is a side note, but I went to an Usher concert in college and I never realized how long Usher has been around because oh, yeah. half the songs he sang the garden was like crickets. He would put the microphone out and no one, we had women two times our age in front of us. He'd put the microphone out and nobody was singing his oh, songs. It was sad. the most cringiest thing that I've ever experienced at a concert that would never in a million years happen at a Jonas Brothers concert. Yeah. There would at least be a handful of girls screaming up in the balcony, the lyrics. Not a single person knew. He wow. even said at one point, he did it four or five times in the fifth time. He goes, man, you guys are letting me down. Is that worse, though, than Joe Jonas giving the fan the uh, microphone? Oh, and that she was, was so really cringe. Not, and she like, had the best. Well, she I mean, didn't know any of the lyrics. The thing that's tough for him is like, he's not going to be mean and just take it away. So it's nice of him to though. leave it there. But I feel like she could have been like. Nick jumped in. I don't know. Uh, mm. Well, why would you be like, I know all the words. I know all the words. And then not. Well, I do know all the words and I don't sing very well. So I would probably not want him to put in a microphone. <laughs> I would, I wouldn't care. I would jump on stage and start dancing, but that's just me. So I do want to make a note of sorry. So the brothers wrote this song with James Fauntleroy. James is actually a big time songwriter. He wrote Mirrors, Suit and Tie by Justin Timberlake. That's what I like. Versace on the floor, Chunky Finesse by Bruno Mars, No Air by Jordan Sparks. Like wow. big time songwriter. I think that this is a standout song on the album because of them collaborating with James on this song for sure yeah it's just like a good yeah the lyrics the music it's really just a nice song yeah you can relate to it yeah and then got me going crazy Nick wrote that one I would love to talk about a little bit longer in the way that it absolutely rocked our world does. <laughs> just because it Sobbing was. At it when you're talking about the song. The song yeah, and the, the story song. attached to it. Yeah, all everything when about they, it. When he first started singing that at concerts, he would do the speech, the story, or not like the story, but like the spiel. Yeah. Which would have us in tears. And then yeah. he'd go into playing it on the, it'd be him alone on the piano yeah. spotlight. At the time, we are like, oh my God. I mean, not that it's, I mean, it's definitely not a good thing to have, obviously, his yeah. diagnosis. Yeah. So, but. so that's why Nick wrote the song was his experience of being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Yeah. Yeah, um, and being, like, not sure and waiting that little bit longer. Yeah, we just loved him so much. We're like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's an incredibly relatable song for anyone dealing with chronic illness, yeah. right? The unknown of there's something going on in my body that I can't explain. Mm-hmm. Knowing something's wrong, but, yeah, not knowing exactly what it is. That's horrifying. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Especially he was, like, such a little, like, little baby. Yeah. Like, yeah. I have a quote from Nick as to why he wrote the song and kind of the meaning behind the song. So it was while they were shooting in Canada for Camp Rock and Nick was having one of those days where his blood sugar was a little bit out of control. 
And Nick says, I walked into the banquet room at the hotel where we're staying at and saw a baby grand piano. Nobody was in there, and I sat down and began to play. Fifteen minutes later, I called everybody in the room, and they came to listen to the song. They all loved it, and it was a great feeling because I had been feeling so down. Again, Nick writing a song in like in 15 minutes or less, and it's an incredible song. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of the... I'd say one of the best songs on the album for sure. Yeah. And it's it's a perfect last song on the album. And I think there's this common misconception with last songs on an album being like the throwaway song. From an album construction perspective, you want the last song to have an impact, whether it's a ballad or an acapella song, and really showcase the talent of an artist, kind of giving you a little sneak peek into what the potential is for the next album. And I think this is a great song to end the album on. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Let's talk about the 3D concert experience. I wanted them to show up so bad. We thought we were going to catch them at our local movie theater in Framingham. Like, come on. But I have so many thoughts. All right, let's hear them. So there are a ton of cellists and violinists in the band. Yeah. And you hear some of it in this album, but you hear it even more in the next album. So I'm wondering the incorporation of the cellists and violinists in the band for this tour was influencing them making their next album. Or maybe kind of like teasing it, like teasing how their yeah. sound yeah. was going. Because that was in line, Lines, sure. Vines, and Trying Times, yeah. right? When they started using Heavy, all yeah. So many strings on that so seeing this, because this was like my first full length concert that I've seen the Jonas Brothers perform. Joan Jonas is so freaking charismatic. It's insane. Yeah. And Nick playing every single instrument on stage was just like really cool to see. I was just so impressed by all of them. And then I was not expecting the gymnastics during Good Night and Goodbye or BB Good. Joe does a split at one point. Yeah. <laughs> I loved seeing their performance in the documentary concert film after hearing all these songs. I was like, this is perfect. Well, it's really cool too, because obviously when they do the filming stuff, it's so much more done up. There's there's way more like content, but yeah, the live show is pretty similar to the 3D movie. Lines, vines, and trying times. So of course, I bought it. <laughs> so this was released on June 12, 2009. Again, every song is written by either Nick or all of the brothers. They're experimenting a little bit more with the sound on this album. Some critics have said that the horns and the strings were a little bit too much. Jackie agrees with those <laughs> critics. I think this album is all over the place style-wise. Yes. There's definitely a lack of cohesion with that. But I think it also kind of shows their range that they're able to perform. It's, it's mostly cohesive with the use of either piano or strings throughout the album. But in terms of style, the cohesion is lacking for sure yeah i'm looking at the list now and there are a couple songs that i definitely love and love to hate but <laughs> <laughs> this is when i started maybe it was because of where i was at in life or whatever i got it and i was just like the last two were just so fire yeah. there was only a couple songs that really sold me on this album i'm yeah. gonna unfortunately can i jump in real Go quick ahead. yeah so paranoid came out on this album and that yeah. was the same year that we saw them perform that live for the first time front row first time they that's ever really cool. fun. i think we already talked about that but yeah, really cool. we knew every word the whole stadium was quiet and we were like singing and dancing uh, and they're yeah. like oh it's <laughs> awesome so yeah, Paranoid was the first single off the album, as well as Fly With Me and Keep It Real, which was a promotional single. I feel like they were kind of burnt out at this point, too. Agre well, four albums in four years, yeah. you're going to be burnt out and by tours this point. on tours and, mm -hmm. and experiences. And yeah. So the songs on this album, World War Three, written by Nick. There's horns and an electric keyboard on this one. Reminds me of BB Good because mm -hmm. of the big, just upbeat mm -hmm. music of it. Right number one song on the album. Mm -hmm. I did like it. So the next is Paranoid. As you guys said, you were one of the first to hear this song. So they wrote this with Kathy Dennis, who's a British singer-songwriter. And she was known as a vocalist for D-Mob and had a couple of successful singles. But she co-wrote the song Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie Minogue, as well as Britney Spears' Toxic and Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl. Like, she's a big love that song. She's a songwriter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's why this song is so good. I also think it's kind of interesting sound-wise because it kind of has like a 90s alt-rock sound to bit. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the like synthy kind of sounds. So I, I really like that song. Mm-hmm. The right. next is Fly With Me. They wrote this with Garbo. 
It's got piano and strings. And again, it kind of sounds like something corporate or like Jack's Mannequin-esque. Apparently, this was written about Kevin and Danielle's relationship before they were married. Oh, it's so cute. (laughs) I never knew that. So that's really, really cute. Yeah. I did not. I I like that. Next is Poison Ivy. This is basically like another 80s hairband song. (laughs) I had a bat mitzvah last year and the girl's name was Ivy. So the parents made the video montage to Poison Ivy. (laughs) Really? I lost it. (laughs) My my whole career I was working with was like cracking up and like I think finally realized how much I actually love the Jonas Brothers because I always talk about it and I was like respect to this family because that's clever. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so the next is Hey Baby, written by Nick. It's got horns, electronic keyboard, bass. It kind of has like a funk sound to it. Very like Stevie Wonder-esque. Yeah, yeah. Which is definitely one of Nick's influences for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Before the Storm, featuring Miley, which they wrote with Miley as well. Definitely more of a country song. Piano and strings are in the song throughout. Miley sounds great here. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Miley a little bit on this show as well as the podcast overall. Her voice is incredible. Yeah, yeah she's also really involved. Also, little sister. They, oh, we saw did her. We see did them see perform her? together? The two of them, they did, I want to say, like a Dolly Parton song. Did she? Maybe? Oh, she, I think she opened for Katy Perry. That's where I saw her. Uh, yeah, I've never seen her. But the I've two of them did twice. like a really nice performance together. I was like, wow, they're both very talented. Yeah, yeah. she's she's a little Not bit deeper than talented. Miley, but she sounds very similar yeah. to Miley. Noah. Well, Miley, when she hits the low notes, though, are so good. Yes. And I'm glad that she's starting to embrace that now. Totally, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's just, again, that, di- that Disney influence mm-hmm. to be either more than what you are or something that you're not the next is what did i do to your heart written by all three guys another country sounding yeah definitely jackie what's the song that we thought he says fuck in but he's saying fight is Uh, that much better yeah much better oh it's much better the next one much better is the next song (laughs) i remember being like whoa Whoa! I know. I didn't feel as much, but I was like, when you said it, I was like, hmm, huh? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. It allegedly is about Taylor yeah. Swift. No, but she also teardrops on my guitar was allegedly Direct. about yes. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like they kind of have like a friendly relationship now, especially because of Sophie. Oh, like, yeah. for sure. And like, I don't know them personally. But yeah. <laughs> it seems like they were just children. Even Taylor Swift submitted on Ellen saying, I was a child at that point. Of course, I was bitter and whatever. So they like all of what it seems like come to terms. You're child, like that age. Of course, you're going to have yeah. drama. Yeah. I do love that song. I love the, the synth and the 80s kind of influence. Horns, I could probably do without, but I do think it provides like a unique sound with different, the, like, definitely different. Yeah. Okay, so the next is Black Keys, another piano ballad written by Nick. Yeah, very good. And then the next song, <laughs> probably the most random song on the album. Don't charge me for the crime. Yeah, probably can, like questionably. I like it. Arguably but. one of the worst songs. Ever. <laughs> That's so mean. I'm sorry, but. It's funny. It's I get just down funny with how it. bad. Of course I just, you do. I just don't I, I just don't understand what the song is. Like is it And suppo- why? Is it supposed to be political? Uh, talking about the police? Is it wrong supposed place, to be tongue wrong and tongue? Sh- right? <laughs> Sounds like someone I know. <laughs> I just don't get it and it totally does not fit on the album at all. Oh, Coming after a piano ballad and a two country song. <laughs> it is so, so random. random. <laughs> But I do like, I mean, obviously they're... they're Common. Jones Brothers in Common. Common, right? Like, <laughs> I like, don't charge me. I just love when Nick really hits those notes. Yeah. It just does something to me. This <laughs> is a bad boy era. <laughs> so 2010 is when we get music from the Jonas LA series. Not going to go through that, Please like we no. said. <laughs> and then Nick also performed with Nick Jonas and the administration. And they put out the who i am album and it had a lot of critical acclaim and nick's voice immediately sounds so much better than it does with the jonas brothers it's almost as if like his voice finally developed and he's yeah coming into his own for sure i remember um, listening to that the whole cut, album driving to home depot with dad actually <laughs> when I, it first came I out i can see that Okay, so 2011 this is when joe released his fast life album the music isn't bad but joe says 
in chasing happiness in his own words that it just wasn't him and it just wasn't genuine. He knew he wasn't doing something that was yeah, genuine. Yeah. And then in 2012, Nick performs in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying on Broadway. And then there is a brief reunion in 2012, 2013. They begin working on the V or Five album. They schedule a world tour, play some shows. They release two singles, Pom Poms and First Time. But then they cancel the release of the album and then they cancel the rest of the tour. And they break up officially in 2013. And I went as a puddle of tears that year for Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) What is interesting, though, is that when they broke up, they said that it was a breakup. They did not say the word hiatus, which no, I thought was very, broke up. very, very interesting. Which it was, was heartbreaking. Yeah. It was so sad. I was yeah. a freshman in college. I was like the, one of the hardest moments of my life. And I'm like, and now the boys are not together. <laughs> I'm like so pathetic, but. No, it's not. Because I mean, this is a band that you really connected with. And you had all these experiences throughout your life for years prior. And then this period in your life ends so obviously it's going to be sad because you're not going to have any experiences with this group anymore yeah yeah that was that was crazy it's silly as it sounds it's truly like it was like whoa this sucks yeah but you know what I think it obviously made them better needed to happen they were so broken in the song Jersey they talk about how they needed to have their own time to be their own people Nick especially because like I feel like he this is how I interpret it. I feel like when he was younger, he was excited to be this big thing and then was like, all right, I guess my brothers can tag along, but then had almost, and you can cut this if you think it's too much speculation, but I feel like he almost was like, all right, this is cool, I guess. And then was like, oh, I could have done this on my own. But like we said before, like it's almost good that he didn't mm-hmm. for his own mental health and his own path or whatever. Mm-hmm. I do have to say though, I have to commend them for treating the fans with a sense of maturity that they could handle the fact that we are breaking up yeah and not oh it's a hiatus we might come back in a couple of years we might come back with another album this is it sorry like just being hard on their sleeves like they are yeah and i i have to say i have to commend them i know it was a hard time for them but i have to commend them for using that language because what it did was it set the expectation is this is the end but what was great is it made them when they finally reunited in 2018 that much better because no one was expecting it at all. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, the greatest yeah. news ever. Stay tuned for part three, where we discuss Happiness Begins and do a recap of their Las Vegas and Broadway mini residencies. This Must Be Pop is written, produced, and edited by Anna. Our theme song, Teenage Girls Made Rock and Roll, is written and performed by Madam Daly. Add us on Instagram for more content and to be the first to find out which band will be featured in the next episode at This Must Be Pop Pod. That's This Must Be P-O-P-P-O-D on Instagram. Got a question or suggestion? Email us at This Must Be Pop Podcast at gmail.com.